how do you call in the one? And if you're already in a relationship, is it too late? We're going to cover these questions and more in today's episode that's all about aligning yourself with the vision you have for the love that you are capable of. And as always, I would like to start with a little bit of gratitude. Paula and Alex, Michaela, Sophie and Tori, thank you so much for your support of Relationship Alive. And if you are finding the podcast to be helpful, please consider a donation to help ensure that we can continue. All you have to do is visit neilsatin.com support or text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions to choose something that feels right for you. Now, along with creating that inner alignment, there's potentially nothing as important as your developing skills for communicating in relationship. And to that end, I put together a free guide for you of my top three relationship communication secrets. These are the kinds of things that will completely change the way that you communicate with others to keep you connected, no matter how challenging the thing is that you're talking about. To download the free guide, all you have to do is visit neilsatin.com slash relate or text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. This week, we have an exciting new sponsor that I'm going to be telling you about in a little bit. And other than that, before we head off on our journey, I just want to remind you that if you are looking for support in your relationship journey, come join the Relationship Alive community on Facebook. We are closing in on more than 1,600 members of this community of people who have come together to support each other in having amazing, thriving relationships. That's the Relationship Alive community on Facebook. And now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. Today, we're going to have another very special visit from someone who's a friend, a colleague, a mentor, and an amazing teacher in the world around love. She's been on the show three times before to talk about making space in your life for love, overcoming your barriers for love, how to get over heartbreak and pain, and how to transform some of the things at the, some of the beliefs at the core of who we are, the negative beliefs that get in the way of us experiencing love and relationship the way we want to. Her name is Catherine Woodward Thomas. And if you're interested in hearing any of her other episodes with me, you can visit neilsatin.com slash KWT. That's for Catherine Woodward Thomas. And you can do KWT, KWT2, and KWT3. That will take you to all of her episodes with me. Today, we are going to hone in on her work around calling in the one. How do you find love within yourself and in the world around you? 
Now, this work is especially important if you're single and looking for a relationship and wondering how to find someone who aligns with you, aligns with your values, and, uh, and also aligns with having a conscious relationship. At the same time, this work, and I, I work a lot with couples, in fact, mostly with couples, and I'm always recommending Catherine's books to them because there's so much in Catherine's work that transforms who you are and what you're able to bring to a relationship. So even if you're in relationship, this will help maybe write the course if things aren't quite right or if things have, are getting stagnant, this will help inject some new life into it. So this conversation is also for you. Everything we talk about will help you uh, breathe more energy into your connections and figure out what within you uh, is potentially contributing to whatever it is that's going on. I think that might be enough from me. We're going to have a detailed transcript of today's episode. And to download it, all you have to do is visit neilsatin.com slash KWT4, just keeping with the theme there. Or you can always text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. So, best-selling author of Calling in the One, New York Times best-selling author of Conscious Uncoupling, Catherine Woodward Thomas, it's so great to have you here again on Relationship Alive. It is a delight to be here with you again, Neil. Thank you so much for inviting me back. Always a pleasure. Great to talk to you. And I wanted to start with a quote of yours, actually. This is something from Calling in the One. And it's toward the end of the book, so apologies. Spoiler alert. Um, this is what you had to say. We have it backwards. We want to have love so that we can do loving things, so that we can be loving. But the opposite is true. We need to activate an experience of expanding our hearts to feel love, in other words, being, and then behave in loving ways, doing, so that we might draw toward us those things that create more love and fulfillment, having. So rather than have, do, be, which is how most of us are trying to create our lives, it's actually be, do, and then have. We got it reversed. And of course, that's what brings so many people into relationships that ultimately need help, right? Oh, for sure, that we're looking outside of ourselves for that other person to make us happy. They need to change for us to be okay, absolutely. It's so automatic to who we all are that we're, we, we go outside of ourselves first. And I, and I think the radical nature of calling in the one is that it is from the inside out, and we are always looking to align uh our consciousness with that which we are wanting to create. And so we do things like uh, take radical personal responsibility for how we're the source of our experience. Uh, we, we also look to um, clear away anything that's inconsistent with, within us uh, that, that would get in the way of being able to have what it is that we're wanting to manifest. I mean, they're really truthfully basic laws of manifestation. I've had a lot of people do the calling and the one work and then apply it to many different areas of their lives. 
um, in order to manifest what it is they're really desiring in their heart to create and but hadn't, haven't been able to up till now. Yeah, that reminds me of a passage, I think it's somewhere in the middle of the book, where you're talking about um, a relationship that you had that went wrong and where um, you went away on retreat and on retreat had this epiphany that um, you were, I think you were like hanging on for hoping for some sort of retribution <laughs> around, um, around a, a hurt heart. And I think you had a business together with this person and, um, and you had this vision of like, if you're able to let go of this, then you're going to get all that's coming to you. Well, actually what I heard in that moment, I mean, and if I told you guys the story of what he did that had me so, you know, backed up and unable to forgive him in that moment, you know, I'd get everybody all riled up and they wouldn't like him too, because we all have our stories, you know, right. and, and people actually do behave badly and they do do things that end up hurting us both consciously and unconsciously. But what happened in that moment is that when I declared that I, this is back in the calling in the one beginnings where I, before I, before calling in the one existed as a, as a book or a thing, because it was my own process. And I had made this deep commitment to um, be engaged by my 42nd birthday. And I was 41 at the time and I had no prospects for a husband, but I began to, and it was only eight months away. So, but I began to live into that future, really into the question, like who would I need to be being in order for that to happen? Mm. So it wasn't so much about going out to find love. It was about going within to release any obstacles, any barriers that I had built against it. And, be, and, and building up certain skills and capacities that I might have been missing my whole life uh, based on things that I never learned when I was young, that most people who are in happy, healthy, secure relationships do automatically. So I was in this, uh, my whole focus was on my own growth and development. And one of the things I was struggling with is that I had this resentment towards uh, a man who was my business partner, but also... I was involved with him romantically off and on throughout the five years that we worked together. And we were both very love avoidant and we had a lot of push pull and it was very dramatic and it was very painful. And then we would always have to come to work together the next day because we had this business <laughs> together. It was torture. So in the end, it ended up kind of just blowing up and, um, and I, and I couldn't get over, you know, what he had done and some of the things that I had lost and what it had cost me. And I'm on this meditation retreat with Michael Beckwith, who some people know, he's a very well-known teacher of metaphysics and we're in silence. And I was wrestling with the resentment because I knew that I did not want to bring that resentment into the next relationship that I created. I didn't want to punish the next person. I didn't want to be defended against the next person because of what had happened. I wanted to complete it. And uh, so what I was wrestling with was how can I complete it when it, it devastated me so much and it cost me and it's so unfair. And I heard this voice within me and, you know, and we all have these images. It was my little burning bush experience. It was like I had this image of a host of angels around me that I felt kind of transported. But I think we all have our own, you know, spiritual perspectives and, and, and how messages come to us. 
But I heard loud and clear inside of me that as long as I was holding on to him for restitution of the debt that was due me, then nothing could ever happen because he wasn't about to restore that debt to me. He wasn't capable of it. And what I heard was is, is that it's actually blocking the universe from, from giving me what my due is. And in that, and that framing, we're like, oh, yes, there is a debt due me. But he's not holding that debt anymore. The universe itself is holding that debt. Mm-hmm. And so in, that gave me the opportunity to let it go. And the interesting thing about that, Neil, is that it wasn't until I was willing to just let it go and to not have him, you know, holding his feet to the fire like he needed to be accountable. And I just had more faith in the overall goodness of life, that everything you put out that's good will come back to you tenfold, just as a principle. Um, It wasn't until I let go of him that I, I couldn't see my part in it clearly until I did that. And then suddenly... I started to see all sorts of ways that I had given my power away to him. And, uh, and, and it became very clear to me why it ended up going the way that it did. That right from the very beginning, that there were ways that I was giving away my power. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't set up proper uh, structures to take care of myself. And, um, and that was a huge lesson to me. Um, to to not give my power away to anyone ever again like that, and um, and so I think you know, and that changed me because with that understanding, I had access to then doing things differently in the future. Now I wish I could say I did it perfectly, and I never ever ever gave my power away to anyone <laughs> ever again. But at least I knew that how I had co-created it, and that this was actually my thing to deal with and that the amends that needed to happen was the amends I needed to make to myself. And I think that we're all a little bit like that. I think that, you know, we're so busy pointing the finger at other people that it's very hard for us to see our part, but without seeing our part, we don't know how to grow and to change uh, in the ways that we would need to in order to have great happiness and love. Yeah, you mentioned in the book, in fact, uh, David Burns, and then I think you read something that he had written that the number one determining factor of happy, satisfied couples versus dissatisfied couples was uh, in the dissatisfied couples, they blamed each other. And in the satisfied couples, they were focused on taking responsibility for themselves. Well, and and this is why a lot of people... um you know, who were even in relationship and married, even though the, the, the calling in the one work is specifically for people who want to call in a great love. Um, if they want to renew their relationship, they'll come do the work because these are very core foundational teachings about how to have our relationships flourish and thrive. Now, Catherine, I just need to pause a moment to talk about this week's sponsor. And I'm very excited, not only because they're great, but also because they're offering something special just for you if you wear contact lenses, like I do. Their name is simplecontacts.com, and they're offering $30 off on your first order with them if you visit simplecontacts.com alive, or use the coupon code alive when you check out. 
Now, simplecontacts.com has made it really easy not only to get your supply of lenses, they carry all the major brands, but also to get your prescription renewed if you need to do that. They've created a vision test that you can take in the comfort of your own home, it's online, in less than five minutes. And it only costs $20 compared to whatever a visit to the eye doctor would cost you. Now, it's not meant to replace a full eye health exam, but it is a way to get a doctor-approved prescription renewed without having to leave the comfort of your own home. Standard shipping with them is free, and on top of that, they have stellar customer service. Now, I actually have a somewhat rare condition that keeps me from being able to turn my eyes. It's called Duane's Retraction Syndrome, if you were curious. And part of the quick and easy vision test that they have requires that you turn your eyes left and right. Simple enough, right? But I can't do it. So in any case, I took the test the best I could, placed my order, and then waited to see what would happen, if they would notice or what. Sure enough, I got a text right away from their customer support people who were very personable, and they told me I needed to retake the turning your eyes portion of the test. So I explained my situation to them, and they consulted with their doctors, and as simple as that, it was all set. So I use contacts when I dance or go to the beach, and I'm really excited to have a reliable source when my supply is running low. So the whole process with simplecontacts.com was really easy, really fast. I think that whole thing probably took me less than 10 minutes to do. And I'm delighted to be able to offer you $30 off to simply try them out. All you have to do is visit simplecontacts.com slash alive, or use the coupon code alive at checkout to get your discount. Thank you so much, simplecontacts.com, for helping to make Relationship Alive possible. And now, back to the show. So I want to just mention quickly... um, The book, Calling in the One, the subtitle is Seven Weeks to Attract the Love of Your Life. One thing that I think is so great about the book is that it is broken down into seven weeks with uh, a lesson per day where, you know, you just, you read a little bit, you do a little work. It's not like this monumental thing that you have to take on. You can just one chunk at a time work your way through and and in the process, discover all these things about yourself, transform all these aspects of yourself. And and it's all work that you're doing within um, by just going through the book. So I, I just appreciate how well you laid that out and, and made your work very accessible for um, people going through it. Well, um, thank you, Neil. I mean, I'd really like to kind of backtrack and even share about how that got created, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. And then I have a good a juicy question for you, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Would you want to give me the juicy question and I'll weave in the answer? Um, okay. Juicy question. So you were talking about the ways that we contribute to the situations that we're in, the ways that we give away our power. And yet it's, it can be so hard to see ourselves, to really get an objective view of how we're doing those things. So I'm wondering if you have some insight on how to get that perspective on the things that we do that are the way that we're contributing to how our life unfolds in ways we might not 
want? I think that's a fabulous question. You're right, it's very juicy. Um, the short answer, and then it does kind of lead into my story here. Great. But the, the short answer is that I think the way that we're trying to figure out how we're giving away our power contributing is by a- analyzing ourselves. <clears throat> and we're going back into the past and we're kind of ruminating over what happened and what the story of that missing development is. Um, and we're getting a little stuck in the quicksand of, of understanding and insight. And, and we're, far, we're too far away from having a breakthrough or an actual shift in the relationship that happens when you really do understand yourself as the source of something. Um, so first of all, it begins with the willingness to just say, okay, how am I contributing to this dynamic? What are the ways that I'm showing up that are giving someone permission to treat me badly? How am I, am I, is there a way I'm treating myself badly? Am I enrolling them into an old story covertly outside of my own conscious awareness? Who am I being in relationship with this person? But the, so the willingness to just even explore and begin to ask that question is what I think is um, a radical practice. And I say radical practice because we are so programmed to, to, to kind of project blame onto the externals. And we so think that other people are just the way they are. They're just fixed and they're never changing. And there are subtle ways that we are contributing to every single dynamic that's troublesome for us. And it can be as simple as we pull our energy in and we, we start to hide. We disappear ourselves when somebody disappoints us um, or we don't ask the questions that me that would lead to clarity or set our boundaries. We fail to set boundaries because we're lacking the courage to disappoint someone or risk having someone be angry with us. We have to look at those and confront those ways of being straight on and, and ask ourselves, of course, what's motivating that behavior. Um, so this whole approach from the inside out, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a little tickle in my throat here, but <clears throat> this whole approach to the inside out is actually the core of the calling in the one work. And I love to share the story about how it all began because, um, you know, I was always a person who struggled tremendously in relationship. I had a pattern of unavailable people. I would always get involved in triangles, like people who had other people in their lives. They were married. They had, you know, they had uh, some incomplete relationship somewhere where they were tied up somewhere else, or it could have been workaholism or alcoholism, but, or just, you know, one impossible love after another was what made up the the bulk of my love life for most of my twenties and thirties. And there was consequently, there were a lot of drama, a lot of pain, um, and, and a lot of, um, resignation and disappointment for me. And I, um, I felt confused about that. I, I'm a very spiritual person. I did have done years of inner work on myself. I was a, um, I was in therapy by the time I was in my mid twenties, and then I was in twelve step programs for years, and then I did all sorts of transformational work, and eventually I became a therapist. 
And I still was helping people to have great love lives and um, had learned a lot of things intellectually, but I was still struggling and I would come home every night to an empty apartment with my little kitty cat Clover and I was just kind of heartbroken about it actually because I'd always wanted to have a family and it wasn't until I was in my early 40s that I started to learn about the power of setting intentions and I began to learn about the metaphysics of generating a future that's unpredictable or unprecedented which means that you're able to break lifelong patterns and lean into a particular possibility that was never going to happen unless you began to declare that future as your own and lean into that future and claim that future and then live backwards from that future. And what I mean by that is you begin to ask yourself the question, like, who would I need to be? What would I need to let go of? What would I need to begin to cultivate? How might I prepare myself? So you become, um, very interested in in the inner transformation. Um, I think Dr. Joe Dispenza um, has a a quote, which I'm probably going to butcher right now just off the top of my head, but he says, I think it's something like you can't create a a new future with the feelings of the past. Mm. And, And most of us are walking around kind of filled with the emotional set point of the past, we have tendencies towards depression or our bodies are a little, you know, hyped up from um, the traumas we suffered long ago. So we go easily into a certain anxiety state or um, so or really the, the, the kind of the residue from the core consciousness that we formed in response to the wounds of the past. You know, my father left or my mother um you know, worked full time and neglected me or whatever that situation or my big sister picked on me or, you know, my big brother, um, you know, abused me. So there's some kind of, or I was always left out. I was the one out. I mean, we all have these variations of the theme, but, but there's a core consciousness that, 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 um, was formed in response to what happened and it was a story that we crafted about ourselves and that story has an emotional center. I am alone, I am not wanted, I am unsaved. And that tends to be our default center when we get disappointed or frightened or overwhelmed, we'll wake up to it in the morning, it becomes kind of that that unwanted companion in our bodies, you know, that resonates in our bodies. So that's what Joe's is talking about when he says you can't create a new future with the feelings of the past. So when I talk about creating a future, you declare, you make a declaration like I did, I'm going to be engaged by my 42nd birthday, and then I needed to become the self of my future. And that was a very full process. Who would I be being? How would I be showing up? How would I be feeling? It goes back to the quote you were saying before. What does it feel like to have love that is sane, that is stable, that is kind, that is secure, that is inspiring? Where, like, who am I in that love? And what is inconsistent in my life right now that I need to release that doesn't match that version of me? So it's this process of transforming from the inside out. And so, you know, I I set this intention 
I was scared to do it. Um, I had a bunch of friends who were kind of setting intentions for themselves too. And we were tapping into uh, the collective field, which is um, really now being documented by, uh, by Lynn Mataggart. She came out with a book recently, the book of eight or the power of eight. And the power of eight is all about this collective field that when we share our intentions with each other, we hold those intentions. Um, we hold each other accountable even to living inside of those intentions, that it expedites the process of transformation and manifestation. So um, I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know the science, but I did have a group <laughs> of friends and we were doing this together. And, um, and, and I began my day, Neil, you know, every morning with just asking, you know, what would I need to give up? Who would I... Who would I need to be being and feeling into that and imagining that future as though it were happening right now? And, and this is the other answer to your juicy question. When you ask life these questions like what would I need to give up or what would I need to grow within me in order to have the fulfillment of my desires, my experience is, is that you get pretty hit over the head with the answer that you will suddenly start to see things or hear things or people will say things or chance meetings. You will just get all the information that you need. And uh, so I started to follow the gumdrops in the forest and I saw a ton of things that I needed to let go of. So rather than run out to try and find love, I, I actually went within to look at all of the barriers that I built against it and to also begin to lean into that future on an emotional level and to become the person that I would need to be. And that was where my focus was. I, I barely had time to date, actually. Just <laughs> 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 <is> really funny. Because <laughs> I was pretty consumed. I don't mean to keep talking. I have so much to say. Sometimes I'm like, you wind me up. Um, I want to get to the to this to the story, but I just want to take a breath to see if there's anything you want to say. Um, wow, thanks. Uh, and I, I've been enjoying your on fire, so that's great. I'm uh, uh, one question that popped into my head, just something that I love as an addendum to the questions you were mentioning is, uh, what would I need to be willing to experience if I were going to? live into that future. So as a way of uncovering maybe those blocks of, oh, right, I'd have to be willing to, let's say, confront my fear that someone won't actually love me the way I am, you know, or any number of things like that. Well, I think, I think there is, there's a turning toward the obstacle. There's an, there's an engagement, like an inner dialogue. Um, an example of that is that you know, once I asked this, these questions, I started to get uh, answers. And one of the things that I saw when I said, okay, you know, it looks, feels like it's just happening to me, all these unavailable people. Consciously, I really want relationship. How might I be the source of my experience that all these unavailable people keep showing up? And, um, you know, and, and of course, leading then to the question, how am I unavailable outside of conscious awareness? And one of the things that I remembered when I was sitting there, I had this um, almost like a, not like a, a, a mental memory, but a somatic memory, you know, when we kind of get flooded mm. with a certain emotion. And I remembered being 10 
when my father, who I loved with all my heart, he'd been divorced from my mother for many years and they'd had a lot of tension. So there was like a background to why he chose to do this, but he basically gave up parental rights to my mother without saying goodbye. And I just found out because my mother kind of reported it to me and then left the room. And it was it was so devastating. It was such a, a defining moment for me. And I think outside of conscious awareness in that moment, I made a decision that no one was ever going to hurt me like that again. And so what I realized in that moment is that for all these years, what I had been doing is, is creating drama and substituting it for love just so that I could be safe and that I wouldn't really have to surrender to someone. And uh, when I understood that it was um, kind of a a very primitive way of trying to protect myself, I, um, I remembered that I'm an adult now and that I have other tools to protect myself. But I, I got to ask myself the question, well, Catherine, sweetheart, you know, is it, is it really worth love to you to keep this wall up? And of course, the answer was no. And so I was able to have a dialogue with myself where I said, you know, I think that there is a risk to loving someone. Even if you love the safest person, they could pass away. We don't get that kind of guarantee in this lifetime. And I think that we're strong enough and wise enough and we have enough resources that we could handle that. And so um, I was able to kind of renegotiate that within myself where I became consistently, all parts of me became available to love. And this was, this was you know, this was the kind of thing I discovered, like the, the resentment thing that I shared about my former business partner clearing that or the, the, the agreements that we've made with ourselves. That was really an agreement I'd made with myself. Sometimes we make agreements with God. One woman I know um, was keeping her marital vows uh, because she got married in a Catholic church and she was Catholic. She'd been divorced for 10 years. Her former husband was already married with children from an, within another relationship and she hadn't had a date in 10 years and she couldn't figure out why. And we were able to track it back to, she made this promise to God that she would only love this one man. So when you make these things conscious, then you get to say, oh, wow, that makes so much sense. Can I, can I talk to God and see if I can renegotiate that <laughs> agreement? You know, God, can you come over for tea? You know, I, I need to tell you something. Right, you know? right. Because it's not a matter of just realizing those things and then just sort of abruptly being like, well, that's, that's silly. I'm not going to do that. I don't think it works that way, that there's, there is this pro- process of allowing you to shift, but also to maintain your integrity. That's so important. You know, it's so true what you're saying, Neil. And I think we have to take the time when once we name something to renegotiate it and rethink it and not just leave those tender parts of us behind because the part of her that made that vow was so sincere and so trusting and so believed in that promise. And uh, the part of me when I was 10, you know, I was so tender and so vulnerable. So it's not like we just dismiss it as stupid. We want to go back and pick those parts of us up and say, sweetheart, I understand why you did that, but it's not really kind anymore and it's not really appropriate. And this is what we're going to do now instead. But I've got you, you know, I'm holding you and I've got you. Um, 
you know, there were other things. Also, another thing, gosh, you know, there's there's all sorts of things I discovered on that meditation cushion too, Neil. I, I discovered another thing called that I call toxic tie beliefs. When you're when you're in relationship with people that is kind of based on a dynamic of you giving your power away in order for you to stay bonded to that person. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have these kind of toxic relation relational dynamics with people who matter to us. It's our father or mother or sister or boss or you know, somebody that we can't just discard or even a friend that we've had for decades. Um, so it's it's the ability to take back your power and be more authentic in the connection. Um, you know, just a, there are a lot of examples of that, but, but just a simple one that kind of shows us how much, you know, we can all do this is um, the woman who realized that she was... Um, she was uh, very close to her mother and her grandmother, but the, the, the kind of the glue that held them all together was their disdain for men. And they've always, they'd always, her, her mother and her grandmother had married alcoholic, weaker men, and so they had this kind of matriarchal club. And of course, she was in the club but when she was doing Calling in the One. She realized, wow, that's not, I can't be in that dynamic anymore. I have to I have to shift that that's really toxic because you know if I'm in that club and that's my way of belonging to my mother and my grandmother then what does that say about the men that I'm going to be able to pull in Right that would be the calling in the wrong one course Yeah exactly Yeah which which we've all done too many times Right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious because a thread that seems to bind a lot of these things together is is something you said early on, this faith in the goodness of life. And it's something that I see a lot in, um, you know, that holds people back from taking risks that you might need to take, whether it's going out on a Friday night or whether it's leaving a relationship that should have been left a long time ago or there are any number of ways that we avoid taking risks because maybe we're not anchored in the faith of the goodness of life of things turning out well Um, and and you know if you're looking with a a negative filter i think that's um, something that david burns talks about is like if you look through a negative filter then you can find all kinds of reasons why it's not true but i'm wondering if you can talk about the process of someone finding that within themselves to anchor themselves in that place of you know what i can take this risk this risk it's gonna this is gonna work out one way or another you know i have faith that it will well, I think we have to expand our perspective on what it is to work out. And so so I love David Burns, and I think that that quote that you're talking about, if you're looking through a negative filter, really is important. And I have something to add to it, Great. which is that it's not just the negative filter. It's missing development. We're actually, so, so, so the simplest way to say it is to, is to say, is it an, un, is it, you know, is it safe to cross the street? Well, if you don't know how to look left or right, no, it's not safe to cross the street. But if you know how to look left and right, 
then yes, it's safe to cross the street. So the same for relationship. If you don't know how to say no, if you and if you don't know how to repair breakdowns, repair rifts and breakdowns, if you don't know how to hold on to your autonomy, uh, if you don't know how to self-soothe, if you don't know how to take personal responsibility, if you don't know how to uh, generate intimacy, all of these things, then is it safe to be in relationship? Well, maybe not. That's where we get into a lot of painful, toxic patterns. So one of the things that I was doing also was I was looking at what didn't I learn when I was young that I would now need to learn in order to have successful, healthy relationships. And it was, it really goes hand in hand. So we're not just clearing away the old baggage, but we're also needing to begin to develop certain things, skills and capacities that we didn't develop, um, maybe because it wasn't taught to us or modeled for us in our home. But also, I think that when we came to certain conclusions when we were quite young, for example, the, the, the conclusion, I will always be alone and no one will ever be there for me. So from that place, we might not really have learned uh, the skills of collaboration or the skills of conflict resolution because maybe we just assume that once there's a conflict, that's kind of the beginning of the end. And at that point, you just kind of start to withdraw your energy as a self-protective move. Uh, so that you can minimize the hurt that you might feel if someone rejects you. So there's there's the limitations um, of that missing development is what's really creating uh, a feeling that we can't trust life. So when you say, I have faith in the overall goodness of life and I'm going to go out on a Friday night, basically... You know, there's the faith that, wow, something really lovely could happen. I could make a really nice connection. And if not, I'm going to trust that even if I don't make a nice connection or I'm not able or I have an interaction that doesn't tend to be fulfilling for me, that that's going to be an opportunity for me to learn something about myself that's inside of this journey of calling in the one. I mean, basically what we're doing with Calling in the One and when we talk about, you know, living from the future backwards is we're inviting all of us to begin to organize everything, every choice, every action, um, every interpretation we make of what's going on according to that future so that there's no mistakes that can be made. And you can pretty much count on that you're going to get disappointed because, in fact, you know, Joseph Campbell said destruction before creation. So if you actually set an intention to create something that you've never been able to manifest before, what is probably likely is the destruction of what currently exists. So you will have lessons and you will um, have some losses, but they're not necessarily a bad thing. Um, some people come in and do the calling in the one process and, and, and suddenly within a matter of a week or two, they're at odds with people that they've been in relationship with for years because they suddenly see, oh, the, the terms of this dynamic is that I have to keep giving my power away 
or that it's all about the other person or that I have to be a doormat, you know, and that doesn't yeah. work for me anymore. So everything starts to get kind of repositioned in your life. Yeah, yeah. All of those patterns are so entrenched. And until you fully transcend that dynamic, nothing changes. And then once you transcend, I think everything can change, like dramatically sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, um, yeah, if we can, I, I want to ask you just like kind of a silly question. And this is actually, I mean, it's really not all that silly, but one of the questions I get asked the most by people who are single is, where do I meet people? And, or how do I find the person? So what are your thoughts on that question of like, literally where, like, do you, do you think it matters whether someone's doing online dating versus going out into the world and doing things that align with their values as far as like how they actually meet people? And, and what do you think about that dynamic of seeking versus calling someone in? Well, I think, again, gosh, you're just, you're just asked the best questions. <laughs> I love being interviewed by you. Okay, so let me ask, there's two ways to answer that. Great. Um, I'm sure there's probably 28 ways to answer it, but I'm, I can think of two. But, and I want to answer from a calling in the one perspective, because I just want to, and then I'll add to it. But what happened for me was as I was doing this, within a matter of weeks, um, a friend invited me to, or who was encouraging me, um, told me to get on the in, on on the dating on a dating site. Now that sounds normal to us, but this is uh, 18 years ago, so there were no dating sites back then. But there was, well, there was one. It was. I think one of the first ones, it doesn't exist anymore. I was a little horrified at the idea because I thought it was so pathetic to have to not just be meeting someone in the supermarket, you know, <laughs> down the aisle, well, like picking out your cantaloupes. But, um, but I did it because I was coachable and there were a quarter of a million people on the site. And um, I figured out the technology of how to put in all my stats and stuff and it narrowed narrowed it down to, I think, something like 80 people, which is funny. It tells you how old it was because that was L.A., like, oh, 80 people be my demographics <laughs> in L.A. But I think there were other things, too, like my age group or not smoker or whatever I put in there. But um, so I'm reading through these profiles. No pictures, no pictures, no pictures, because we didn't have the technology back then, believe it or not. So no pictures and, you know, just these handles, like two hearts beating is one, you know, love handles and stuff. And and one person kind of just leaped off the page to me, and I just wrote a short little email to him and um, said why I liked his profile. And, and then my computer froze, so I couldn't look at anybody else, and I turned it off and went to bed. And the next day, when I when I woke up, I went to check my emails. And back then, the technology was that if they, you know, wanted to write you back, it went right into your email. Like it was, you went email to email uh-huh. immediately. 
And uh, and so when I got his email, his name was in parentheses because that was another quirky technical thing there back then. He actually had his name in parentheses next to his email address. And it was a man that I had dated six years earlier who I, for years, thought of as the one that got away. Funny. And uh, we went out and we ended up being engaged two months later, which was before my 42nd birthday. And we were married the next year and then had our daughter. So to me, that was a miracle. That was the Red Sea parting. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Like I would have believed the Red Sea could part sooner than I would believe that I could find that wonderful man. So that was actually why I created the Calling in the One process because I thought, wow, what did I just do that created such magic? So I do think that when, so the first part of, you know, answer to your question, like where do we go to meet somebody is I think that if, when you're ready, that, 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 you know, the Red Sea will part. When you're really ready and you're standing in that magnetic energy, the Red Sea will part. Um, and if and if you're not ready, you can go to all of the right places, and um, and it might not work out because, or if it does, it will just do it for a short period of time because you'll end up sabotaging it. So so the focus of calling in the one, of course, is on the consciousness of that. However, I also you know as a person have ideas about where to go to meet just because we live in such a global community. And I think more than ever, we have the opportunity to go to, um, to join uh, communities and to attend events that really are reflective of our true core values. So I think, you know, I think all the, the dating stuff is good. I, I am ambivalent about it like everybody else because of the fraud issues and um, and also because uh, the, the the manners of people seem to be really missing and it seems to be that people have really largely, uh, we are culturally kind of um, objectifying each other as opposed to relating to each other. Mm. So it's, it's painful and it's wounding. But if you cannot take it personally and you can understand that you're walking into a bit of a hornet's nest, um, you know, there is definitely gold in there because there are people who are genuinely looking for connection and commitment. So I'm not going to poo-poo it, but I know that it's not for the faint of heart. And my number, I, I was going to say my number one rule is don't take it personally, but my number two rule is be kind, please, to people and don't take advantage of people and try and be respectful and uh, thoughtful and remember that this, these are real human beings when you're on there. Um, but I do think that um, it's about getting involved in things that you most deeply care about. I think that's the best bet, truthfully, mm-hmm. is um, is because when we're looking at what really, you know, we've gone from role-mate relationship to soulmate relationship. And um, when we are looking at what it is that we are looking for in a soulmate, we're looking for someone whose mission is aligned with our own and who sees the world in a similar way, a similar enough way that we can get up underneath them and trust their support of us. Um, And then also be challenged by them because maybe they see things a little bit differently and challenge us to grow. But the fundamental core values uh, and what you're called to in life are similar enough 
that you can join forces. And, and that's going to be a more specialized community. And there's a lot of things virtually where people are doing things virtually and cre uh, creating virtual communities. But there's also a lot of conferences or a lot of events that are happening with people who share a similar interest. And I think that those are the best bets for meeting people. Yeah, in general, I think if you are literally in person with someone, there's just so much more information available to you about how you connect with that person that you're just, you're not going to get any other way when it really comes down to it. I don't remember how you met Chloe. How did you meet Chloe? Chloe and I met in a dance class that I had been going to for maybe about six months and she had just moved to Maine from the West Coast and she showed up to, it was like maybe her first week even in Portland where we were at the time and, uh, and she walked into this class and we were paired together for an exercise totally out of our own control. Um, and then from there, yeah, we just connected and, and that, that led to everything that happened after, which wow. listeners and, and you as well, Catherine, have, have heard a lot about. Um, yeah, but, it, it, but yeah. it was being out there doing what we love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was saying. So it doesn't have to be like you're going to travel to another city to do a conference. You could just start taking dance in your community. Get out to a class and do what you love. That's great. Yeah. And for some reason, this word popped into my head, and I'm not sure exactly what the question is here, but the word is settled. Something like, because a lot of people, like, they're out and they have, like, this clear vision of who they want and or what kind of relationship they want, and and maybe they've even done some of the work from calling in the one. And then there's this, like, this person seems so great and yet blah, 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 you know, they have their, their, their hesitations. And then there's this question of, do I settle for this or can I, do I keep going? Do I keep looking? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's more and more an issue in our, in our, in our online dating culture because there's so many choices. And I think, um, mm you know, um, trying to remember Amir's last name, he wrote uh, the Modern Romance book, and this is, was his main point, you know, where, where it was, he did this kind of, not a, I don't think it was a scientific experiment, but he started interviewing people in, um, in retirement homes about how they met their, their mate, and they basically, most of them said, oh, she lived next door, she lived down the street, and you know, they basically had four people to choose from in their community. <laughs> they were happy. You know, that was what life gave them. And they made it work and they were happy. And um, so we live in a really different world. Um, so I think, you know, the more that we understand ourselves and the more that we know what's really most important to us, the more that we can... Um, we will we will be able to choose wisely and recognize uh, the things that matter most when we meet someone. Um, I think that you know few of us like the word settled or few of us like the word compromise, but I think that there is the reality that you know we're all a little quirky and we're all a little imperfect and a little crazy and in our own beautiful ways. 
and, and even not so beautiful ways. But if you know yourself, you're not looking for perfection from someone else because you know you're not perfect. And, uh, and we're looking for a certain quality to the connection. And the more we can prepare for that internally and start to ask ourselves questions, like one of the questions in, in the meditations uh, that I offer people, or it's a desiring meditation. It's, it's just asking yourself, you know, what do I want to be experiencing in this connection? So we're getting kind of away from that checklist, like, oh, you know, needs a college degree or needs to earn this much money or needs to be working out three days a week. We've got this checklist. But you can have somebody who matches all this checklist and have a miserable connection with that person. So I I like to start with, you know, what are you experiencing? Well, I feel, you know, really, I feel at home with this person and I feel, I feel really heard and I feel safe and I feel inspired and I feel, um, I feel like I can trust them and, and I feel like just this, this, this deep sense of happiness and I feel held and I feel I feel like someone has my back. You know, you want to start with that. Like, what are are the emotional components? What are you actually experiencing? And then when you find somebody who makes you feel that way, you already have been cultivating that within yourself so you know that more. Um, I think we have to drop out of our minds a little bit. I think our minds are a little bit too, uh, too busy with our checklists and what we think we want to be happy. But I think it's more about, you know, being in our... In, in the in our bodies and you know and, and recognizing that what we're looking for really is is a certain quality to the field of the connection and in order to keep that quality healthy it requires us to grow in certain ways so that we can um, we can kind of you know weed our gardens on a pretty regular basis which I think you're helping people do a lot too Neil that's definitely a huge part of it. Um, and I'm glad you used that word growth. It made me wonder about how you identify in another person, whether they are along for the ride with you in terms of that capacity to to grow and shift and knowing that that's just going to be required when you're in relationship. Well, I have learned over the years that people do not accurately self-report. <laughs> <laughs> Present company excluded. Right? <laughs> Present, yes, you and I are completely not in that category. <laughs> that people will describe themselves as this and that and this and that. So you don't actually know. Do not take people at face value. You know, I don't think that most of us are are, are you know, meaning to deceive other people about who we are. I think it's a lack of self understanding. Um, so, uh, what I'm looking for is, um, kind of early on in the relationship to see how somebody is able to reflect on why their past relationships have been troubled in some way. Um, what happened that, um, what happened in that dynamic and how they themselves were responsible. If you have somebody who's only blaming the other person and when you ask them how, you know, how, you know, what was going on for them, um, if they tell you, you know, things that are, well, I was going through a tough time at work, you know, that are just kind of circumstantial or situational or, well, I'm just, you know, 
I just believe in the best of in people, so I just thought it would work out. But it doesn't have a lot of depth to it. Um, it doesn't, you know, really bode for deep self-reflection. Then, then you can better assess where this person is on their journey, mm-hmm. and 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 adjust your expectations and investment accordingly. Yeah, um, yeah, um, but you know. That said, then, you know, the, the, the later stages, I mean, you have to just see what people do and how they solve their own problems and if they're growth-oriented in their thinking, if they take personal responsibility for things. So I think there is a process of getting to know people that's really important, um, that sometimes we want to know the one in the first date or two, but I'm kind of... I'm kind of a little old-fashioned in my own sensibilities about it. I think it's better to not sleep together quickly. I mean, you definitely want to know if there's sexual compatibility and chemistry, but it also begins to cloud your perception. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm along the lines of, you know, get more information before you introduce sexuality into the equation. Right, yeah, once the, the dopamine and oxytocin are flowing your judgment is totally impaired. All, all so. bets are off, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Catherine, uh, we could talk for hours, obviously, and I want to ensure, because this work that you're doing, you also train people um, to help others f- call in the one. You train people as calling in the one coaches. And I think you have another training that's coming up really soon. So I wanted to give you a chance to, to talk about what that process is like if, if someone's interested in going through something like that to help other people uh, find love. Yeah, it's, it's actually one of my favorite things to do is to train and certify relationship coaches. Um, and, you know, whether or not people have been therapists, uh, we have therapists, we have psychologists, we have social workers, but we also have what I call lay people, people who come from other professions, who've always just been that person that others feel comfortable telling their troubles to. Um, so the Calling in the One Coach training was born really because the book came out in 2004. It's growing. Uh, we're just launching it now in China. Um, there's a whole there's a whole group of folks in the UK. There's a group of uh, growing group of coaches in Australia. So, and and it continues to um, be a demand in the United States and Canada, but also some other countries. I think Mexico, Puerto Rico. Well, Puerto Rico is part of America, but so so anyway. But the work is growing leaps and bounds. Uh, Finland and um, where is it? Also, um, Estonia, we have a coach in Estonia now. Wow. So people, so people are bringing the work to different parts of the world. And I do that because I see people as my partners in sharing this work with other people. Um, the calling in the one work is, um, life-saving for many people. Uh, it will melt away decades of painful patterns and help them to create a miracle in their love lives that they never thought would be possible for them. I have seen countless stories of people who felt hopeless um, be able to uh, really awaken to their power to create this miracle of love. So I, I train people to have professional careers as a calling in the one coach. And there's a lot of things that people do with it. One person has a radio show now, one of my coaches. 
um, people write blogs and get articles written about them. They go, they do their own interviews on podcasts and they do groups in their communities. And of course they do the one-on-one coaching. So it's pretty special. And, and I only do a training every two years and it's very hands-on. I am there with people. Uh, my senior mentor coaches are there with people. We really take them through the process. It's a really joyful training. Actually, it lasts about six months. And then in six months, people can start earning their living as a coach. So people can find out about that and uh, read more about it if they just go to my website, Neil. And I have information there for them. Great. So your website, of course, is katherinewoodwardthomas.com. And we will have a link to that uh, in the in the show notes in the transcript. And uh, if you go there and you're not interested in the coach training, you can also sign up for basically Catherine has been sending out daily inspirations with, as you can tell, she's got a lot to offer. So it's a great way for you to keep in touch with her and her teachings and and other courses that she has that are coming out. Um, but before we drop the the topic of the coach training entirely, I just want a chance to say, um, some of you know that I've been through Catherine's Conscious Uncoupling coach training. And my experience of you, Catherine, as a teacher was that you were just so present, so giving, that that you t- and you t- you have such integrity in what you offer and how you train people. I mean, that's why it's a six month long course that you're talking about. It's because you have just such a high commitment to the people that you're training. And my experience of that, it was so powerful. Um, there are very few teachers I've worked with that have that level of dedication to the process of training others. And mm-hmm. on top of that, the work is so pr- profoundly transformative for, it was for me as a coach. And uh, I think that's another huge benefit of working with you going through these trainings is that you get the personal experience of going through this process and and having Catherine and her other amazing coaches. She has really great people gathered around her who are also helping um, you get their the benefit of their experience to to guide you through the process, not of just becoming a coach, but going through the work yourself. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. We have weekly uh, support calls for people who are processing the material on a personal level. Thank you for that reminder. Thank you for what you said. That really touches my heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's you know one of the most powerful experiences I've gone through was uh, to go through that that um, conscious uncoupling training programs. Wow. Thanks, Neil. It's great to hear. Well, Catherine, it is always a pleasure to have you here. I hope we can have another conversation for the podcast someday soon. Um, And in the meantime, uh, you know that if you want to find out more about Catherine's work, visit catherinewoodwardthomas.com. We will have a transcript available for you to download. uh, If you go to neilsatin.com slash kwt4, or text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And Catherine, I'm wondering if there's anything in closing that you, like if you just drop in for for everyone listening, is there anything that comes up for you? Like, oh, this is the thing that needs to be said in this moment. Well, I think, you know, we've had such a rich conversation and I just want to leave people with a sense of possibility that if, this has been an area that you have struggled in. And if there's any way that you kind of dim down your hopes or 
um, you know, just given up even entirely uh, on the possibility of love for you. I would hope with all my heart that you come and find us because we can tell you countless miracles um, of, of deep happiness and love after um, painful patterns in the past. And you can really graduate from them. Your past does not determine your future and happiness and love you do in this very moment. I love that. Yeah, just like past results on the stock market are not indicative of future earnings, past results in your relationships <laughs> are not, you, you really do have that, that um, potential to grow and change and graduate to a new level of relationship. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always great to have you here. Thank you, Neil. It's a joy to be with you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.